0: yippee-ki-yay movie fans it's film frontier back with another western i'm felicity and i'm clarence and today we're talking about the very new film uh out in 2021 on netflix entitled the harder they fall
1: So The Harder They Fall tells the story of the outlaw Nat Love who reassembles his gang when he learns that Rufus Buck, the man who killed his family, is being released from prison. And the Nat Love gang rides out for a showdown with the Rufus Buck gang and they're joined by the famed marshal Bass Reeves on the way who also wants to put an end to Buck's outlaw ways.
2: Man, old devil, this is going to be Buck's last day amongst the living. What exactly he do to you? Call it a professional robbery. I know who you are. That love, outlaw, hunts down those who trespass against him with no mercy.
0: This is from first time feature filmmaker James Samuel, who is a British filmmaker, uh, kind of has a, a music background that we can go into later. And I'd say it is sort of notable with its all star, all black cast. And today we really want to get into. Um, what the black cowboy means both in history and in cinema and what this particular movie says about both of those things
1: right the movie opens with the lines uh while the events of this story are fictional these people existed and i think that's sort of the main point of this movie like i think the stat is historians estimate that like 25 percent of all cowboys in the west were black Mm -hmm but they are woefully underrepresented in Hollywood films. And this movie goes after that entirely.
0: And the director, Samuels, said that in approaching this movie, he kept getting into arguments with people, and not just any people, with black people who did not believe that there were black cowboys in the West or that there should be depictions of black cowboys in Westerns. And so he set out to make this film to really put an end to that argument. (laughs) to say, yes, there were black cowboys, here are their historical names, they existed, and here's why we need to see more of them in our movies. Right.
1: And this is obviously not the first black western, but this is the first, I think, to really utilize people from history. Um, Even though they aren't portrayed as they were in real life, it's a fictionalized version, but the characters are all named after actual historical figures.
0: And I think it's also notable just the platform this movie is being given. It's on one of the biggest streaming services in the world it's on netflix it's been highly marketed like like i said it's got the you know big name actors it's got idris elba it's got regina king it's got some of the the top names in acting working right now right and they're making a a black western
1: right and it's focused only on black cowboys really Mm -hmm. the the white society doesn't really enter into the Mm -hmm. film very much and it's got jay-z on the soundtrack i believe he's one of the producers Mm -hmm. Um, as of this recording, I think it's been in the top 10 on Netflix uh, since its release, yeah. which was about a week ago, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that says something not just about this particular movie, but also it's it's a big deal that any Western is in the top 10 on Netflix. Yeah, true. That I would not say that's been the case in... 30, 40 years right. <laughs> that one of the top movies in the country right now is a Western
1: yeah well it's the kind of Western I think that would get a lot of eyes on it yes. because it's big it's bold it's it's fun mm-hmm. it's you know there's a lot of action it's it's not an old-fashioned Western yeah. in any in any way
0: that said what was your impression of the movie? going into it without having seen the the full feature just maybe having heard about it or seen the trailer or your expectations knowing um, knowing what it was about and who was involved
1: based on the trailer i got a little bit it it, it was a little bit what i expected mm-hmm. i thought it was going to be more like a spaghetti western with a lot of you know larger than life characters and, and big action and that sort of thing and but uh, it took it in a different direction than, than I thought. I expected the villain of the piece to be some sort of white mm-hmm. land developer or landowner, or and that's not the case at all.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, yeah that would have been my expectation, too. And, and in a lot of ways, I think it's for the better that it doesn't yeah, do that. Yeah, I do, too. My expectations going into it, I will say I was a little uh, prejudiced against Idris Elba's name kind of headlining <laughs> it. Because although it, he's a very attractive man and has been a great actor, I feel like his choices as an actor lately haven't been the wisest. Right. Um. And I haven't been as impressed with the projects he's been taking. At the On, on the other hand, I I did think there was some cachet with like Regina King or... Um,
1: Lakeith Stanfield. Keith
0: Stanfield's involvement. They both have been in a lot of interesting work lately and doing very powerful performances. Right. So I was... I was a little shaky going into it. I, did, I thought I could have gone in either direction and really made a huge splash or just kind of fall into the wayside and been a little bit of a, a clunker. Also just not knowing this filmmaker, I didn't know yeah. what his background with Westerns was. I didn't know where he was coming from, you know, and, and I think that's a touchy thing when dealing with this particular genre. I think you do have to have an inherent love for it, at least at this state of the film. Um, perhaps not, you know, in the early days, you, you maybe didn't need to, to love the genre. Mm-hmm. But now that we've seen so many of these Western films, I think the public and Western fans have a certain expectation Yeah. going yeah. into it that you really need to understand your history of the West and history of the Western movie mm, to yeah. pull off a successful Western. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that Samuel does that. Yeah, film.
1: which is, which, yeah, that's another thing going in, like you mentioned, a first-time filmmaker, you don't know what you're going to get uh, with, with a movie like that, with, a, you know, making a Western for the first time, and it's your first film, yeah. so. But he pulls it off.
0: Yeah. yeah, and it's impressive that Netflix trusted him with this, trusted him with what I assume was a, a pretty hefty budget. Yeah. It, it looks like it has a hefty it does. budget.
1: It looks like an old-fashioned big Western. Yeah. yeah
0: with a it, it looks like it was shot on a back lot or on location um lots of fancy costumes and
1: yeah there's, there's a, just uh, there's a big town there's a train yeah. there's yeah
0: a lot of production value yes big
1: gunfights and, gun nice fights, and yeah. yeah stunt work and, and
0: stylized all that. and yeah. yeah yeah
1: very boldly told yeah yeah like we said these are the characters are all based on historical people and i thought i would just kind of give you a rundown of these real life black cowboys that you have not seen in movies before, uh, with a few exceptions. Um, Jonathan Majors plays Nat Love, who was a famous cowboy and marksman. He worked as a, as a cow hand in Texas and Arizona, supposedly met like Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid and Bat Masterson in his travels. He earned the name Deadwood Dick uh, for his rodeo work in the town of Deadwood. He was lived with the Pima Indians in Arizona he was actually never an outlaw or in a gang as he is depicted in this movie but i would
0: just add that jonathan majors the actor um is from dallas so he maybe comes to it with a a texan perspective perhaps he's pretty familiar with nat love i guess i I think he extensively read nat love's uh short autobiography Um, multiple times uh, when he was approaching the role oh, so yeah. he, he is very familiar with the historical figure even if the historic figure doesn't actually bear that much of a semblance to yes. the, the one in the film
1: and i should say before i continue that 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 is like a long-standing hollywood tradition with the west and the western i mean yeah. there's countless movies of Earp, wyatt Earp and jesse james and billy the kid that are completely inaccurate right. and it's you know it's it's just what you do in a western which kind of makes this, in a way, uh, harken back to an older Western. Regina King's character, Treacherous Trudy Smith, that one they know the least about, and I think they really invented her character in the screenplay. Mm -hmm. She was basically, the real-life version was a pickpocket in San Francisco, and that's mostly what they know about her.
0: But I think that gave Regina King um, some freedom to explore the character she uh imbues trudy with this um unique accent that i think is supposed to reflect her worldliness and draws a little bit from like new orleans and uh caribbean and uh, french and all all sorts of of aspects and it's interesting to hear her take on that kind of a a vocal quality Mm. for the character it was
1: hard to pin down exactly what the accent was which was which was interesting Idris Elba plays Rufus Buck, who uh, another real-life figure who was part of a he was a multiracial outlaw, part of a multiracial gang. They were made up of African Americans and Creek Indians. They went on a crime spree in the Oklahoma Indian Territory in the late 1890s. They were hung in Fort Smith, Arkansas, by Judge Parker, who uh, Western fans may know from like movies like True Grit mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, as we mentioned earlier, plays Cherokee Bill. He was born the son of a Buffalo soldier and a Cherokee mother in uh, in San Angelo, Texas. He ended up in the Oklahoma Indian Territory, also went part of a gang, part of the Cook gang, um, and went on a murder spree and robbery and all that sort of thing, and was also hung by Judge Parker in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Hmm. Zazie Beats plays stagecoach Mary. She was the first African-American female mail carrier in the United States. She was awarded a postal contract from the government and it was up to her to figure out how to utilize that. She could farm it out or deliver it mm. herself. And for eight years, she delivered the mail on a stagecoach with heavily armed with a thirty eight under her apron and uh, shotguns and wow. the whole thing. Yeah,
0: That would be an interesting story. I mean, that not, no part of that is addressed in this movie. <laughs> no. Um, in like this she never movie, owned a saloon or yeah, anything. Yeah, she's a, a saloon gal.
1: Yeah. And I believe she was much older when she started doing mm. this this mail route. So, I mean, that would be an interesting movie to see, too. Maybe
0: this is the prequel. <laughs>
1: Gary Cooper actually wrote an article about her in, for mm. Ebony Magazine in 1959, where he said, he wrote, uh, Born a slave somewhere in Tennessee, Mary lived to become one of the freest souls ever to draw a breath, or a 38. Mm. So, <laughs> but she was known not to be messed with on her uh, mail route.
0: Was Gary Cooper a frequent uh, contributor to Ebony I Magazine? Don't... <laughs>
1: I wouldn't imagine he was. Was he a he popular was? writer? <laughs> I don't know about that. R.J. Siler plays uh, Jim Beckworth, who uh, in real life was a, a mountain man, a fur trader, an explorer. He was known as Bloody Arm because of his uh, fighting skills. He lived with the Crow Nation for a long time. He's, in, he's credited with the discovery in the Beckworth Pass through the Sierra Nevada between Reno and um, California. And he died like in 1867, so it would have been dead before the events of this movie even yeah. took place. But another famous uh, Westerner. And then, of course, Delroy Lindo plays Bass Reeves.
0: That's the name I was most familiar with going into this.
1: Yeah, I think that's the most prominent name. He was a famous U.S. Marshal, the first black marshal west of the Mississippi, and worked in the Oklahoma Indian Territory for Judge Parker, uh, Mm -hmm. hunting down probably Cherokee Bill and Rufus Buck. And and he was responsible for over 3,000 arrests and, and allegedly killed 14 men. He was also supposedly the inspiration for the Lone Ranger
0: oh yeah because
1: he worked often with the native american partner and would use disguises and, and things hmm. in, in trying to track down criminals which is a thing they do in the lone ranger
0: that really paints the lone ranger in a, a different a light totally different it, light yeah, yeah thinking about it as an african-american oh, yeah. man yeah
1: that's interesting yeah there was a movie in 2019 that featured bass reeves as the main character hmm. called hell on the border i have not seen it but well from what I've read it's not doesn't sound like a great film. But Well
0: yeah, I was going to ask you why have there not been more movies about these characters do you think?
1: I I don't know. I mean I would have thought in the 90s when there's sort of like the little mini western boom mm-hmm. and you had movies about historical figures like Geronimo and mm-hmm. Wyatt Earp and and I would have thought that someone made of would have would have done that, but maybe they were in development and just never happened. Yeah. I don't know. But uh you know, it can still be done. I would love to see, you know, more historically accurate versions of mm-hmm. a lot of these characters. And that's long overdue that right. we have those.
0: I think in a lot of ways it's the Flash that sells movies. Yeah. And perhaps the drier historical biopic is not as flashy as, as some movies are. And also the Western just unfortunately is not a trendy right. genre right now. Right. But not to mention you need talent attached, yes. and if there's not a big star that's interested in playing Bass Reeves or Nat Love, I, I think you're pretty lost. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. going to be out of luck. But yeah, I think Samuel's uh, idea in creating these characters and in fortifying it with this cast was to build what he called like an Avengers group <laughs> of characters to, to really tell this story and his story of African Americans in the West and like what better way to do that when, than with this like strong group of basically superheroes right right in the west
1: they're all like the top you know good and bad yeah yeah
2: my thoughts when putting the cast together were the exact same thoughts when putting the the characters together if you have these titan characters that even though they were criminally unsung over a hundred years later we can learn about them i need to cast i need to cast with the superheroes of today Man, you better get you Regina King to play Trudy Smith. You better get you Idris Elba to play Rufus Buck. You better get you the young, upstart superhero, Nat Love, who's now Kang the Conqueror, to play uh, uh, Jonathan Majors, to play Nat Love. You kind of need to cast according to what those people want to see, right? You want to you make that movie. And I wasn't casting according to their historical likeness. You know, the real Rufus Buck died at age 18. Bill Cherokee Bill could pass for white, but he wasn't white. Now, he's Lakeith Stanfield. But I wanted to just cast a bunch of today's superheroes to play the yesterday's superheroes.
0: Leading up to this point, what kinds of black Westerns were there?
1: The first sort of all-black Western, they, there were a few of them made in the late 1930s. Um, they were all-starred Herb Jeffries,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and they were, he played basically a singing cowboy. They were modeled after those, and they were all-black cast, low-budget, independent films and made for black audiences. Were they
0: made by black filmmakers?
1: Um I don't know about that. Okay. I don't think the director of the film was black. Okay. I haven't been able to track down the information on that, but I don't think so. The films include like The Bronze Buckaroo, um Harlem Rides the Range and Two Gun Man from Harlem. And like I said they were just like uh you know, a Roy Rogers or Gene Autry type thing singing mm-hmm. cowboy right. stuff and and you know, stuff for the kids and the family. You don't really see any uh, black cowboys in mainstream Hollywood films until the mid-50s. In Veracruz, you have Archie Savage, who is a dancer and an actor. He appears in a small part as one of a bunch of ex-soldiers traveling to Mexico to fight in the uh, Revolution. And then in the late 50s, you get Satchel Page, the baseball mm-hmm. legend, plays a buffalo soldier opposite Robert Mitchum in The Wonderful Country. And then, of course, in 1960, Woody Strode stars in Sergeant Rutledge for John Ford and that was sort of a major leap forward the first even though he wasn't given top billing he is the title character and the main character of the film
0: yeah when Um, i think of the black cowboy on screen i think of woody strode yeah and i mean i'm sure that's just because of john ford's influence Sergio Leone's influence right, later. Right yeah,
1: Woody Strode would of course go on to star have famously been in the opening of Once Upon a Time in the West, that very famous opening where he gets the giant close-ups. And he was in several other spaghetti westerns and a couple of American westerns. He in the middle 60s did The Professionals with mm-hmm. Lee Marvin and Burt mm-hmm. Lancaster. And then and then in the middle to late 60s you start seeing more like Jim Brown appears in mm-hmm. Rio Conchos as a buffalo soldier. And then as the black exploitation movement kind of takes on, he jim brown makes a few west a few more westerns uh fred williamson stars in several the legend of black charlie and uh adios amigos and and jim brown's in uh el condor and Mm -hmm. 100 rifles and take a hard ride they star in together and then throughout the 70s you have Sidney poitier makes uh stars in and directs buck and the preacher up with harry belafonte and ruby d thomasine and bushrod which is sort of a bonnie and clyde in the old west mm-hmm. with max julian and vonetta mcgee which is really good i recommend that movie
2: good morning folks my name is mr bushrod this pretty young lady here's miss thomasine we hit here to rob this bank
1: and as the western sort of dies out in the 70s so does the black yeah. western as well
0: to touch on uh buck and the preacher that to me sounds like maybe a, a good comparison for this film and that you have one of the leading black icons yes. of the day, Sidney Poitier, along right. with uh, you know kind of an all-star cast, Harry Belafonte, uh, Ruby D, mm. you know, and and putting putting it out there, you know, in a western. Yes. Um. But like, what was the impact of that film? Do you know?
1: um i don't think anything yeah nothing really major came of it um partly because westerns just weren't really in vogue anymore right. in the 70s um
0: today i only really see it referenced in that particular context yeah of yeah previous examples of black cowboys in the west
1: yeah i, I don't think it really made any yeah. waves in, in the in the genre right. necessarily and then really the next thing we get is in the 90s boom, mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Van Peebles stars in and directs Posse. Mm. He has like his Avengers team. His posse is like mm-hmm. a you know an all star gang. Mm-hmm. But again, like the the villains are white yeah. in that you yeah. know, and and all these movies, especially through the seventies and the black exploitation movies, the villains are always white, and and it's you know them dealing with mm-hmm. the the racism and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which this movie. Does not do, right. as we mentioned. But yeah, that's not a lot of representation yeah. in Westerns. I What's mean,
0: the state today? Have there been any kind of more recent examples? Like I'm, I'm thinking of Denzel in the Magnificent, Magnificent seven, seven remake, right. um, which that feels like a more just colorblind casting.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I th- yeah, I don't think I don't even think race is plays in that movie. I mm-hmm. don't even remember anything about it. But of course, you had Danny Glover in Silverado. Right. I think once you get to the '70s westerns have black characters in them uh maybe not as leads but it's not uncommon to see a black character in a western and we can't forget blazing saddles of course of course which totally puts the western on his head and brings all that to yeah. front and center
0: and really analyzes race in a, a pointed way yes it does yeah granted it is from a, a white filmmaker but right.
1: but richard Pryor was involved in the screenplay right. so
0: so you still have a strong voice behind yeah. it yeah yeah You've also got, like, Ernie Hudson as Nat Love, sort of as a cameo in uh, the great Sinbad classic, The Cherokee Kid.
1: Uh, Yeah, classic. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's a comedy, but honestly, it does address race. If anyone's interested and wants to, to revitalize Sinbad's career, check it out.
1: Um, I think it's on YouTube. <laughs> I still haven't seen that one, so maybe I should check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who else can we mention? Like Keith David played, um, a couple of Western characters in the quick and the dead for Sam Raimi, Mm -hmm. and then the HBO movie, the last outlaw. So you, you do see, you know, more representation Mm -hmm. from sort of the late sixties on, Mm -hmm. but it's rare that you get a large, uh, black cast like this. Like posse is really the last time that's happened.
0: Getting back to The Heart of A Fall, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about James Samuel, the writer, director, producer. He scored a lot of the movie right. soundtrack supervisor. He's got, a, like I said, a musical background, singer-songwriter, music producer, um, brother of Seal, mm-hmm. the, the guy Seal. Uh, he's also known as, his stage name is The Bullets, like the movie Bullet. It's based on that. He had directed some shorts and some music videos prior to this movie, but this is his first feature. Um, one of those shorts was a 51-minute movie uh, called They Die by Dawn that sort of feels like the, the precursor to this movie. I'm not sure if it was used to sell this movie.
1: Right. I think so. I have not seen it
0: yet. It's from 2013. Uh, it, it tells a different story than this movie, but features a lot of the same historic characters. Right. Um, totally different cast, but still an all-star cast. It's got like Rosario Dawson, Giancarlo Esposito, Michael K. Williams, the late, great Michael K. Williams. Uh, Jesse Williams, Erica Badu, so you can kind of see the the genesis (laughs) of this movie. Samuel was also a music supervisor on The Great Gatsby, and I sort of wonder if that's how he met Jay-Z through that, Mm -hmm. Uh, Jay-Z who's, like we said, is a producer on this movie. Perhaps they just knew each other before from the music industry. But regardless, if you're looking at Samuel's career, you can see that it's clearly influenced by film from his stage name to his music videos to clearly his love of the Western in making this film. He said that it was his favorite genre growing up as a kid, that Mm. he's, um, he's British, he's from England, and that's just what was showing on TV all the time growing up. He said, as a child, you see all these things on television and you just love what you're given. Then you get to an age where you want to start seeing yourself the way I would see myself. I don't relate to that. I can appreciate the story, but I can't appreciate how you treat people of color. I can't appreciate the depictions of these women in, in these Westerns.
2: Growing up in London, you know they'll show like a bunch of different uh, types of, of films and all the all the channels we had and Westerns were always in the background, Little House on the Prairie, just the, the films like uh, uh, all of the, the black and white movies and the, and the color movies and I just loved Westerns. There was just something about them and I had to kind of, um, I had to shake off uh, the frustrations uh, w- with the vantage points that they were telling us those stories through, you know they were really narrow. if you are a woman in the old West, according to those movies, you were subservient. If you were a person of color, you were super subservient and less than, less than human even so I, so just growing up, instead of like being upset about it because I loved the the movies, I just want to find out more.
0: So I think it's interesting seeing his perspective into the genre that comes from a place of love, but right. also conflict. Right. In that he doesn't agree with how, how people are being represented. I mean, all kinds of people, like he says. Right.
1: The female characters in this can handle themselves and are, yes. are badasses. So yeah, they're, it, and they're not portrayed uh, as typically would be in a, in a Western.
0: But I do also think it's interesting considering Samuel's perspective as a non-American in what is a very American genre, right? And I think there is a great British love of the western that intrigues me. I really want to know <laughs> what's behind that because there's been a lot of great uh, British scholarship and, and such on the western, right? And what is it about our history that fascinates, you know, the guys on the other side of the pond so much? I
1: don't know. Yeah, like I, I feel like in Europe in general, there's sort of a love of the western. That's and- true. I
0: mean, the spaghetti western. Yeah. And- but I, I'm always thinking about these sort of, you know, quote unquote, foreign perspectives mm-hmm. on the American West and what that means in interpreting it on film. So I just want to think about that in when we're talking about this movie, that it is coming from someone very knowledgeable about the genre, but also someone who is not rooted in the history in the same way that the, the we, we as Americans are. are.
1: Right. Because like you take the Spaghetti Western, they come at it from a different point yes. of view.
0: And then I just wanted to, to quote Samuel again. He, he said of the Western that it died out because I don't believe the cinema-going audience was being fed what they wanted to see. That's one of the big contributing factors, because some of the people I speak to insist that they don't like Westerns. And other people I speak to insist that they do like them. But had they been given storylines that we relate to, we would have enjoyed them more. I know when this trailer dropped, people were like, I don't like Westerns, but I want to see this one. And that's a common perspective we hear. Yeah. When we go out and tell people we host a Western podcast, we feel like we have to couch it a lot. Right. And, like, we know that it's not always representative, or we know that it's an older genre, or maybe it's a genre that, like, your grandparents loved or something. Right, right. But I think there is still something to be said in revitalizing it Mm -hmm. and in maybe catering it to a new audience, as I think The Heart of Fall does.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, this movie um, is not going to be mistaken for an old-fashioned kind of traditional western in in no way way. Yeah. yeah and it's a movie i think a lot of people can get into and enjoy
0: yeah and one thing i thought was interesting that samuel said was the key to getting a western right is don't think of it as a western interesting that it is sort of a universal story and you just have to tell that story but i suppose place it with the the decoration of, of a western you know what i mean because <laughs> yeah, otherwise yeah. you're just playing into the a lot of the cliche things about it
1: yes in this movie it does follow a sort of straightforward traditional western yeah. tale mm-hmm. it has all the tropes but it doesn't get like caught up in itself i feel like a lot of westerns now are about older westerns yeah. that people loved and I think that narrows the appeal.
0: Yeah.
1: And this movie just, it like he, like he says, it just tells a story. It has all the things you expect to see in a Western, but it doesn't feel uh cliche. I think
0: the only scene to me that felt like a, a traditional Western was the opening scene mm-hmm. when we uh, see Nat love as a child and what happens to him and the trauma that happens. Yeah. That felt like it could have been in any other Western as the yeah. start of a revenge tale. Yes. Um, and I kind of think it's neat that he started that way to sort of ease you into what this movie will be. It's like, started out like a traditional Western. Yeah. And then we'll subvert it in every other way. Right. Once you see what we're going to do with this thing. Right. You know?
1: And even though the things that happen happen in other Westerns, they do it differently in this one. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's like the main thing about genre, the appeal of genre, is the familiar, but... Mm-hmm. T- tell it in a way that excites me and is interesting. what you do with it yeah
0: yeah completely agree um so we're already sort of dipping our toe into talking about the movie but let's let's get right into it and i do want to just preface by saying that with all transparency that we are two white people so we're coming at it from that perspective and go see this movie <laughs> if you want to know more just go see this movie just see it. yeah it's very easily accessible on netflix right And uh, for that reason, we also want to say, um, you know, spoiler alert at this point. We are going to talk about what happens in the movie. So if you don't want want to (laughs) hear. Yeah. Go watch it. Come back. Come back. Put us on pause. On the whole, my impression of this movie was... Just that it was funny and sexy and violent and musical. And that ticks a lot of boxes for me. I don't know about you. (laughs) It's not dry in any way. So if if that entices any listeners to watch this movie, know that it has all those qualities.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, the shots are interesting. They're, it keeps it excited you there there are scenes like when they're writing and it's the music's going and you just you, like you feel like you're into it it's yeah. exciting
0: it's colorful yeah um it's interesting to look at it's beautiful to look at yeah yeah
1: like the town the main town that the action takes place in it's all painted in mm-hmm. ways that you don't normally see in western the set design is is crazy in yeah. some of the, the saloons and, stuff. and i
0: think there's a lot to be said about the set design and in illuminating the plot because The main town is a a black town, a town designed by and for black people. Mm. And and as part of the plot, uh, they want to raise money basically to save it from being settled by outsiders. Right. But I, I think it shows in the set design that this is a unique town and this is how this community would make it look they would yeah. use color
1: right well i think well there are two black towns in the there movie, are and yes. they are both both very colorful yeah. and and painted uh, the, t- the buildings are painted in interesting ways so.
0: and that's an extremely stark contrast <laughs> to the white town that is shown in the movie where they uh commit a bank robbery that is literally completely white <laughs> all of the horses are white like the right the stones on the street are white
1: everything is white yeah. the building yeah it's like uh if plenty switch from high plains drifter came with white paint instead of the red paint. completely it's just, yeah
0: and i'm sure that's a reference for samuel I, like i've heard him in interviews mm. reference high plains drifter mm. so it's clearly an influence to some degree yeah
1: this movie i think has a strong influence of the italian western yes in in that how it's told in those big you know widescreen you know, crazy images and,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to bring up, to me, and maybe this is obvious, the the title seems like a reference to uh, The Harder They Come, the the Jimmy Cliff movie and song, which in that movie they go to see Django.
1: Right, 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 yes. In
0: which, (laughs) in Django and in the scene that they show in the movie The Harder They Come, it's the scene with all of the Red Hoods, like the Red Hood gang, which in this movie, in The Harder They Fall, there is a Red, red hood. hood gang yes. yeah. that is defeated mm-hmm. yeah. by like our heroes gang.
1: Right, clearly a reference to I think both movies.
0: Yes, yeah. and it's interesting to see that both influences come out because I think it shows what this movie is about that it's incorporating the mainstream western or the mm. spaghetti western, um, which is perhaps less, less mainstream, <laughs> but but nonetheless, along with with the black influenced film and yeah. and even in in the harder they come, seeing you know a black audience watch a western it may be different than how a white audience would watch that particular western right i think you're also seeing influences for samuel from like spike lee yeah and and that sort of voice and
1: i'd even say tarantino was an influence Uh, well i
0: I wanted to talk about the tarantino of it all we can talk about it now if you want sure like i have seen a lot of references and reviews to comparisons to tarantino yeah What's your viewpoint on that is it a valid comparison um i think
1: just in the sense, the way that tarantino is kind of an audacious and bold storyteller mm-hmm. and i think that informs it but i don't know that it's necessarily like a tarantino movie okay does that make sense it does okay
0: yeah i think there's a lot about tarantino that he mixes up familiarity. Um, I mean, he he is clearly entrenched in film history. Yes. Um, But he does things with the violence and the music and yes. the dialogue to make it his own. Right. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Where I sort of pull back from that is in specifically thinking about his Westerns and in his black portrayals in those Westerns. And I think what a, a, a big difference there is between... Tarantino's black cowboy and Samuel's black cowboy yes yeah in like Django I, I mainly think of Jamie Foxx as like the the singular f- figure like the singular heroic figure I mean right. you've got Samuel L Jackson's character but I mean <laughs> that's something else to get into <laughs> and then in um, The Hateful Eight I'm thinking about Samuel, Samuel L Jackson. Jackson's character yes but again, that's a singular figure within a white cast.
1: Right, right.
0: Even though they're powerful characters, they feel more like rebels than like bosses. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, they feel like bosses. Yes,
1: they do. They inhabit this world as would a completely white cast in a Western back in the 50s yes. or something. You right. know, they're all heroes or, or strong
0: villains or whatever, yeah. you know. I think it's interesting, too, to think about both filmmakers use of the n-word yeah which has been so talked about with tarantino and i think in a lot of ways tarantino kind of weaponizes the word and yeah. perhaps exploits it for its power yeah and the, you know there's so much complexity involved with a white filmmaker using the word to that degree right whereas in this film the the main use i think of it is in the introduction to regina king's character to trudy She's faced with the first white character that we see in the movie, actually. Yeah, yeah. Starting to call her the N-word, gets cut off as she kills him <laughs> <laughs> before he can even get it out. And then there's a, a joke about, like, well, maybe he was going to call us nincompoop. And right. she says, I'm not a nincompoop. Right. What the hell are you doing out here? That ain't no way to a train, you
1: damn
2: stupid <laughs> Mike might could have said nincompoop.
0: We ain't no nincompoop. But it's like, we're not even going to let this white man get the word out. Yeah. And I think that's pretty powerful in the difference between these two filmmakers. Just De- in a small, specific use. Definitely. And
1: Tarantino's films are about race. Yes. In, I think, the way a 70s exploitation movie would have been about race. Yes. He's just updating it for his t- modern times and his sensibility whereas this movie doesn't even great point yeah deal with that
0: i would never compare this movie to a black exploitation movie no no anyway no and i'm not ex- exactly sure how to articulate that
1: yeah it's there's something it because it's just more of a it's more positive i guess yeah. it's more of a just an exciting western you yeah. know it's just it just happens to have an all-black cast
0: I saw one fan review saying, oh, "Thank God, a a black movie that's not about black suffering." Yeah, and I, I do take a little bit of argument with that, in that there is a degree of of suffering in the film, and yeah. trauma plays such a, a huge role in it. And it's but referenced a little. It's, it's yeah, somewhat for yeah. sure. Uh, I mean, even just like that story we told of, of the N word. I mean, yeah. that's that's a reference. Yes, um, but it's fun. Yeah, it's you're just along with these characters and along for the journey. And while while race is an ever-present, I think, thing you're thinking about just because of the nature of race in America and having a completely black cast, but it's not explicitly a theme of the movie. Right, right.
1: It's not ignored. They're just telling this story.
0: Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I think that's what elevates it for me above something that is just colorblind casting where you have a, a mixed group of black mm-hmm. and white and, and other racial characters where it's not talked about, where where it makes it seem like race is not important. Yeah. And I take a lot of problem with that in a historical context where race was so vitally important, like life or death consequences. Yeah. You know? But it's just in this particular case with this movie, it's about a community that does feel safe around one another
1: right it's just two two gangs going after each other just fighting pretty classic tale (laughs) i mean really like getting it back to the genre it's Mm -hmm. like you like you said the opening scene is very much traditional western setting up the revenge motive
0: setting up the bad guy
1: right and 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 like that is just so basic and traditional yeah. to the western and really all sorts of genre movies in, anyway in general and it reminded me a little bit of death rides a horse which mm. is a spaghetti western they don't really go into it but how the one guy has the scorpion tattoo and that's how mm. he knows how to right. track him down but you just you know you have the gangs you have the bank robberies you have the shootout in the canyon the ambush in the canyon yeah um, the train robbery.
0: The canyon scene is so undercut and becomes something so totally different because of the comedic influence of Bill Pickett and um,
1: Jim Beckworth. Jim
0: Beckworth's characters—they um, just start like cutting it up immediately, right. and you're like, "Oh, well, hold on."
1: <laughs> and some of the dialogue while funny may may pull some people That's out of true. it because it's not traditional like uh the line that is so ridiculous what made me laugh he says <laughs> i'm lightning with the blam blams or yeah. the bam dams or something saying how fast he is on the draw
2: what the hell is this shit playing quick draw games well my ass is getting shot at but hey hey you got your lucky coin don't you grow up jim this hey. is real grown man shit we can die but we're not gonna die so i'm lightning with the blam blams admit it I will
0: say, though, uh, I I read about uh, Samuel talking about the dialogue, and he said...
2: And, you know, when we think of Westerns, we think of people talking slow, and this town's only big enough for the both of us. We think of all these stereotypical tropes. Whereas no one spoke slow at any point in history. The only two people that spoke slow were John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. That's because that's how they speak in real life. Everyone else in those particular movies spoke regular fast even so the key to getting the western right is dispel everything you know or everything you think you know about what the old west was and just treat it as if it's modern day you stay in the parameters of the environment and just tell a story as you would do if it was 2021
0: you know, it is a contemporary language yes. also, but...
1: Yeah, the, the dialogue is not rooted in uh, any kind of historical no. past or anything, and, and that's another way that it is different from spaghetti westerns is there's lots of dialogue, yeah, and it is spoken at a normal rate. There's not, a, you know, this clipped slow talk as, yeah. as, as you know, you have seen a lot of it's westerns. It's not moody
0: and silent. And, right. Yeah.
1: And I should mention, I forgot to mention Bill Pickett is one of the characters... Who was a famous rodeo cowboy? Oh, right! It invented bulldogging. I accidentally I skipped over that. I should mention that. Like, Bill,
0: didn't he appear in a couple films? I think yeah, in the, yeah, the early days, he part, yeah. was part
1: of a Wild West show with like Buffalo Bill and Tom Mix, and yeah. But and, and going back to like the genre, Jim Beckworth, who's the the young kid who wants to prove himself mm-hmm. that he's the fastest on the draw, and he's heard that Cherokee Bill is faster than him, so he's got to face him down, and you know it's gonna happen. Yeah. It happens. And he loses to Cherokee Bill, which I saw coming from the very oh, yeah. beginning. And it's such a trope. But it was still like I wanted to see it. And and it didn't disappoint or I wasn't like going, oh, okay, I knew this was going to happen, even though I did. It still was a worthwhile scene and, and an interesting scene.
0: I completely agree. Uh, for that scene as well as just, you know that the good guys are going to win and the bad guys are going to lose. Right. But yeah, I was compelled throughout the whole thing as to how was this going to play out. And I just wanted to see the characters and Mm -hmm. just see more of the characters.
1: Yeah. They're all uh, interesting, funny.
0: They have unique voices unto themselves. I would never confuse one character for another. Right.
1: I thought Regina King was a standout. Yes, Uh, I agree. Her character, Treacherous Trudy, is a great villain.
0: And I think a lot of that is just to do with the greatness that is Regina King. Yeah,
1: yeah, she's really strong in the movie. Yeah.
0: I did want to point out, like what is the impact of introducing her character first? She gets such a great entrance. And yeah. it, I feel like it sort of steps on Idris's entrance, which com- comes slightly later, to explain Regina King's entrance is when their gang is attacking the train which holds Idris Elba. He's a prisoner on the train, and they, they are needing to get in to release him. Right. I just I just felt like you, you she- get this, like, bang opening with her, and then a little bit later it's not as impactful when Idris gets his entrance.
1: Yeah. While he gets out and he sort of takes command, he doesn't really do anything... To sh- to showcase his evil or what his gun fighting skills are or anything like that.
0: He to me was maybe the weakest character.
1: Well, to your point. Yeah. Um, it's at one point uh, one of the characters tells Regina to go get her boss, yeah. meaning Idris, and she takes exception to that and says, "Boss? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe she's the boss. You know, maybe mm-hmm. Idris is not in charge. It's it's you know not really clear. Where is, it?
2: Where is who? The boss. My boss clearly you don't know me
0: but he just even like go give, goes away from the film for a while yeah he disappears and what little screen time he has there he doesn't take a lot of action no and he's not in involved in like the fight scenes that happen he, he kind of d-
1: stands back and watches a lot of stuff
0: yeah and then there, there's a pivotal scene at the end that he's involved with but even there fizzles out for him yeah. I, without going into detail about what happens <laughs> and I,
1: I didn't think his character was that strong either i didn't think it was that strong a villain like regina was much better i thought as as a villain
0: And just wasn't like you said wasn't scary really in the way that yeah regina was intimidating yeah. or uh like keith Stanfield's character was intimidating
1: right he had idris elba has the one scene where he beats the guy that's um, true with his, with his pistol within an inch yeah. of his life. That's really his only big moment, though, I think, mm-hmm. as I recall.
0: But, I mean, let's talk about the the female characters, which we, we touched on a little bit, but I think there is something to be said about the character of stagecoach Mary, who is in love with uh, Nat Love, the, our main character. However, Mary doesn't need Nat. Nat needs Mary. Yeah. And on the same terms, Trudy, Regina King, doesn't need Rufus or Idris Elba rufus needs trudy yeah that's a good point. and that's a, like a dependency i feel like you don't often see see even though in the film stagecoach mary is described as like the damsel in distress that nat has come to save
1: right she gets kidnapped in, in sort of a common trope of movies but
0: but what do you know it leads into this giant epic action scene <laughs> between the two women right where they... they're fighting they're duking it out right i mean i i'd just like to talk about that action scene that was terrific
1: <laughs> it was and in the in that was like a barn or something with all the colored uh, drapery. fabric. Yeah. yeah, it
0: was like a f- fabric dying, manufacturer. Yeah, or something fabrics like that. in there or something. Yeah. I mean, it almost reminded me of like a, a Jackie Chan fight scene or something, yeah. where they're using the surroundings and they're you know strangling each other with the fabric. Right. And I, I thought it was it was great directing and great performing by the actresses. Yeah.
1: And not a fight that is exploitative in any way.
0: No, no. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a, a cat fight, right, or no, something. Yeah. Um, It was real stunts happening (laughs) to switch gears a little bit um, and and go back to just talking about the, the all black cast just did want to point out when we do see the white, any sort of white cast um, it's only in two scenes. It's in the train sequence that we've referenced a few times. And then Mm -hmm. also in the bank robbery sequence in the all white town. Mm -hmm. And in both of those the white characters are just total buffoons. They are the butts of the joke. Right. There is nothing honorable about them. There is no... Nothing redeemable. <laughs> and that's totally fine. Right. Nothing um, threatening, really, nothing, about you know, them. nothing threatening. Yeah. No, you don't ever feel like they're in power in right. any way. I mean, at, at one point in the bank robbery sequence, they laugh at the Cuffy character. Um, and you do feel a little bit empathetic-sympathetic for yes, her. Yes, yes. But then she Im- immediately turns the tables right. on them and they, they take over. It,
1: the situation flips yeah. Uh, quickly, yeah.
0: As the movie started, though, I thought that it was going to be entirely black. Like, mm. not even a semblance of like a white extra <laughs> or anything. Right. And at the same time as I thought that... I thought it was interesting. That thought occurred to me when it was in the saloon scene when uh, Zazie Zazi character is singing, and there's a line in that song about being separate but equal. Say them that slave my people, so break them chains and shackles. And I was having that thought about like is this going to be a separate but equal cast And that? Is it going to be an all black cast just like a mainstream Western would be an all white cast? Yeah. And what does that say? If we're thinking about it as a separate but equal concept, like, is it, would it be equal mm-hmm. or would it as past concepts of separate but equal have, have not been as equitable? And just what would it have even looked like if it was entirely black, and there was not even race was even less of an issue, I guess. In that you don't, you assume that they don't live in the same, I guess, world that we
1: know the past
0: (laughs) to be. (laughs) Um, Because in
1: that case, all the soldiers guarding Idris Elba would have to have been black, and you know it would have changed the context of that scene quite a bit.
0: But also, would it have really changed that much? Because it is still, as it is, it is still a, a. black versus black movie True. in that you know it's uh nat love fighting uh rufus
1: right i guess it just would have changed the the idea of they go to rob the bank in this other town it's completely unrelated to them so they're attacking people that they don't have any grudge right. with
0: but there's something about it that doesn't have the same weight yeah yeah um just wanted to mention also the the pacing of the movie what did you think about it the length of it the the pacing
1: it could have been a little tighter for me, a little but I also felt that in like the spaghetti western mm-hmm. it, it had a bit of that pace and mm. that th- when when someone comes into a saloon or whatever, they walk through it. There's like mm. a Sergio Leone will let you explore the explore space explore the space, yeah. And 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 take you know, take your time moving through yeah. it. And there's a little bit of that in there.
0: I um, hadn't thought about it in that way. I thought of was thinking about it during the action scenes which Mm -hmm. i found really tightly paced and i was really invested in the in the action scenes Mm -hmm. um that said it did it is a long movie yeah
1: it's like two hours 20 minutes 20 minutes
0: but also i felt like i could have gotten to know the characters more i could have gotten more from idris i could have gotten more from regina yeah Yeah. but also (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was interesting it felt like the entire finale was like the last 45 minutes it
1: did it like, was like it
0: starts kicking off like like your traditional last act with 45 minutes to go
1: yeah yeah i i when they got to when to the town for the showdown i was like oh this movie's gonna be wrapping up soon but it does it doesn't yeah. it goes on for quite a while
0: um, when i saw that there was that much time left i'm like oh no it's it's gonna it's gonna reach its zenith and then kind of drag on and mm. do something else or move into a different plot or you know it'll tie up yeah. some ends but move into something else and it didn't it just spent a lot of time on these on the, final action scenes yeah and i actually kind of liked it
1: yeah no i did too i had the same thought as you i thought oh there it's either going to end too soon and and there'll be like some unnecessary things at the end yeah. or this or it's just going to be poorly paced but it and i was sort of dreading that but then i i forgot about it because it, it it was well paced and and played that well
0: i thought that though was a, a unique structure that you don't yeah, see a lot in, in a movie and and maybe in that way it, it did kind of subvert a lot of my expectations yeah. about going into this movie
1: it made me think of the leopard a little bit oh really
0: that's <laughs> the an Luchino, interesting you know, comparison
1: Visconti film. and only that i think like the last 45 minutes of that movie is this climactic ball mm. that everyone goes to and sort of brings about the the final change of yeah. everything in the movie and it, it's like, just a huge set piece yeah. in one location, which this which this was as well.
0: Yeah, I think this movie really pulled off its set pieces. There were big set pieces, yeah. and they were effective, and they created great images. Mm-hmm.
1: Well shot. There's one image that I was thinking of. Um, I think it's when uh, Beckworth and Cherokee Bill face off. There's a com- overhead shot of the two of them, and their shadows are straight yeah, out and yeah. you see their complete profile and shadow and it's a really interesting shot it's like what you would get
0: mm-hmm.
1: normally but it's done with the shadow instead of yeah. you know from the side of them and it was a cool shot
0: there were a number of shots that felt unusual
1: yeah that, you in, know, in a
0: memorable way yeah yeah um and a lot of them too i would say worked well with the soundtrack mm-hmm. which uh, we can talk about now if you want. Sure. The soundtrack was written into the script in a lot of ways. Yeah. They played the, the music on set. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a major part of this movie. And I think uh, you feel the rhythm and you feel the music's effects mm-hmm. a lot.
2: Um, for me, the thing that was most important was to give the movie its own uh, melodic signature. When I was a kid and I would watch things like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars, and all, i will come out with their themes. i will come out singing um, Et, and I don't really do that as often as I'd like to, in this day day and age. So I wanted this, and and also all too often I'll hear soundtracks featuring a bunch of songs that have nothing to do with the movie. They're just this hot artist's latest um, track. I wanted to celebrate the score again with this um, with this movie. I wanted people to watch it and go, "Wow, man, the music in the film is awesome," and see the themes and the motifs that all the characters have, like Nat Love's and Stage loves Mary's theme. Away with the rain she goes, as a garden grow. I wanted the songs to speak directly to the score, which speaks directly to the film, have, it, have everything celebrated in a cohesive, visual, melodic whole, so to speak.
0: What was your reaction?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a traditional Western score in any way. It's, I think it's almost entirely songs, yeah. right?
0: It, you know, it's got songs from like Jay-Z, Kid Cudi, mm-hmm. Miss Lauren Hill, CeeLo Green.
2: With the Harder they fall soundtrack, I assembled the artists for the soundtrack the way I assembled the cast of the film. I wanted to put artists that you don't necessarily see together or that you would never see together. To have the Fisk Jubilee singers in the same sonic landscape as Sean Carter, in the same sonic landscape as Bakro G from the UK and Lauren Hill, and Fatimata Diwara from Mali, Laura Umvula from the UK, and Myra Andrade from Cape Verde, and to bring all of this together as a celebration of just the human experience.
1: I didn't realize that they had played the, the soundtrack on set, mm-hmm. which is an old Sergio Leone thing. You would have Marconi score play yeah. so they could shoot to that.
0: I think it also just created an atmosphere for the actors yeah. to, to... Put just you in the mood. You know what... Vibe what they... and, you know, keep a light mood on set <laughs> um, when it can get heavy, you know. I want to read one quote from the producer Jay-Z. It sounded like Jay-Z and Samuel had extensive talks, you know, long before this movie was ever even in production. Jay-Z said... You don't think of how Westerns influenced the world. It was the only thing on TV. You can see the reach when people in Jamaica were dressed in full Western cowboy regalia. The Westerns influenced the musicians of the time, and now musicians are influencing the genre. Now, this music is informing the film and the Western. It's the full circle.
2: Jay Z was working with me on the harder they fall. Before I even opened Final Draft, Jay was already Lee was already powering about what the film is, what it could be, the story that will tell, the reason for the film, almost like to just bring balance to period storytelling where it includes people of color and the women. But I'll be writing the script and I'll be at particular scenes and I'll call him and we'll walk through a scene and he'll be telling me his viewpoint of why a person doesn't pull their gun there, and then he'll give me a story from his childhood. I'll be like, mm, I'm going to change the names, but I'm going to steal a bit of
1: that. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe this is a new step forward in the Western, a new evolution, or, you know, mm-hmm. it could lead to new things. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, there I would love to see more Westerns with a black cast with a strong, you know, yeah. like Jonathan Majors, I thought is really good in this. He's great. I, Yeah, I loved him in Hostiles. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him make more Westerns.
0: Yeah, he's a smart actor. He's yeah. charismatic. He's good looking. Kind of, kind of unusual though I think too. He has this really round face that I find interesting <laughs> that makes him very likable I think. Like yeah. kind of a good guy face.
1: Yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not sharp like a, a Lee Van Cleef. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he seems like approachable or
0: something. Yeah. That way. But also. Oh he has a very infectious smile. Yes, and I think that's a big he part does. of it.
1: And he, he's not he's not playing it like Clint Eastwood or something, or no, anything like no. that. Yeah, he does smile and laugh, and,
0: and he sings, yeah. which apparently Nat Love, the historic figure, sang oh. a lot.
1: But any he and he carries the film as its center, as its hero. He, oh yeah, he, you know he carries it. It's well.
0: on his shoulders, yeah. and he does a fantastic job, especially with like like we said, these you know huge contenders mm-hmm. that he's acting with and and against. You know, I would be very scared to act with <laughs> Regina King or Idris Elba, or, right. Same with the younger cast members as well that I wasn't as familiar with. Eddie Gathege as Bill Pickett and R.J. Seiler as Jim Beckworth. Also the actress that played Cuffy, Daniel Deadweiler. Um, she was really good. Yeah. That, that was a different character too. I, I mm-hmm. think a, a, a trans man, as I would understand it, yeah. um, although it's never explicitly said. It'll be interesting to see how that character is interpreted in a couple of years, I would yeah. say. Yeah. What did you make of the, the costumes?
1: Costumes, for me, were a mixed bag. Okay. Some I liked, some I didn't, and my reasoning is probably uh, (laughs) hypocritical, I think. Like, I thought... Jonathan Majors' wardrobe was great even though it's not all entirely period accurate in any way. I think none of it, none of the wardrobe is really.
0: But his his wardrobe was killer. Like yeah, he I would good. love to see just everybody wear that sort of outfit, <laughs> like this great leather coat. Yeah. Um, he had a he had poncho a at the a, beginning. Yeah.
1: He had did a little Clint poncho flip early on
0: not completely like modern looking there were aspects of his wardrobe that looked period right like, the the buttons and you know that sort of thing and the
1: boots and and it was sort of a mix i don't know a few of the hats in the background i didn't like they they seemed too modern like just and i thought it went idris elba's suit at the end he looked like he could have just come out of a scene on justified or mm. you know it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't feel period to me
0: yeah the only one that stood out for me was when Zazie Beetz's character, Stagecoach Mary, wore her hat, which was the tall black top hat, and I thought she kind of looked like the Babadook, <laughs> and that really took me out of the film, and it would have been fine if she had another hat or if some other character wore the hat, but just that image couldn't get me away from the Babadook.
1: <laughs> there was a little bit of the, the Babadook vibe. Sorry, Zazie. You were great. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I mean, I think the, the wardrobing was fine. It was, you know, yeah, it was cool. There were a lot of cool dusters and uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing.
0: I liked Regina's look.
1: Yeah, she had a good look. Yeah, yeah.
0: K- Kind of at every stage. She had some more traditional looking, uh, out, like dresses. Yeah, But then also like her, her opening look with the big uh, kind of military coat and the little hat. Yeah, and-
1: she had some cool looks. Yeah, and this movie is no different than any other Western in, in its historical accuracy. Yeah. I mean, it's, and for me, it's always just a matter of, does it work for me in the movie yeah. somehow
0: does it pull you out of it yeah and yeah. clearly some things pulled you out it was, of it so. so
1: but it was fine it, i will say generally better than uh, tarantino's westerns in Ooh. Terms of
0: no. <laughs> Ooh.
1: his a lot of the costuming in his movies pull me out
0: <laughs> i don't think you're alone with that <laughs> there were a number of little references i just wanted to, to make note of people may know these already but the train in the beginning it it was labeled c a. Bozeman. That's a tribute to Chadwick Bozeman. I think the the little move that Regina makes in her uh, entrance is a yeah. tribute to uh, Malcolm X. Yes. in in the film, yeah, um, it's a little hand gesture that's just like, come on, troops. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. that's a poor explanation. A lot of the buildings in the town are named after. Just people that they knew, so there's a a building named after Samuel, there's a building named after one of the producers, there's Carter building named after Jay-Z, and apparently when asked, oh, what name would go with Carter, like, Carter and Uh blank, he said, Carter. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's (laughs) J-flippin-Z, so it's the Carter and Carter bank or whatever that's funny so uh, there's clearly a lot of detail that went into this and i appreciate that there's little easter eggs and i think that's also just a trend with netflix releases in that you're going to watch it multiple times and pause it and you can pick up these little things here and there and yeah you can also just pick up a lot listening to the soundtrack i think there's a lot of nods in the lyrics uh to what's going on and and i will say also it's it is an eclectic soundtrack it's got some Mm. like reggae vibes hip-hop you know, it, it runs a gamut, um, and there's a little bit of traditional score too. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, that's yeah. that's more in the background, but and they're singing in the film as well. Yeah, true. Like we said
1: a uh, stagecoach Mary has a, a whole number yeah. that she does.
0: Yeah. There's a wild saloon scene later, yeah. also <laughs> a, a, an interesting performer in that scene. Yeah, that's um, an unusual
1: scene. Yeah, it's a movie that clearly a lot of love and attention was was put in. The detail was put in. You know, like you could tell they cared about what they were doing in in every aspect of
0: it so as we wrap up i just wanted to conclude with this quote from jonathan majors that i think says a lot about what they were trying to do with this film and hopefully what comes across uh, if you're watching it uh he said the harder they fall has given us this healing the western has a body it's been walking around crippled here it is in its complete form we're giving you a prescription to allow it to grow and be what it's supposed to be this is very important because the Western serves as a love letter to America, a love letter to immigrants, a love letter to those who are driven to be free. I, and I really hope that's true. I hope that it opens up the Western to a lot of different interpretations. I, I love to see Westerns that look different mm-hmm. and tackle different things. Because, I mean, that, that is a valid criticism of the genre in that a lot of times it treads on the same yeah. ground. Yeah,
1: There's so much material out there. That hasn't been mined in movies that that could be, you know.
0: Yeah. And some of that blame is on us. Some of it, you know, is uncontrollable. Right. But I think we should strive to make these original stories. And it was great to see this one, even though it's got some historic names associated with it. It is truly an original story. Right. Told by an original filmmaker. And you should check it out.
1: Yeah. Be interesting to see what he does next. If he does any more Westerns. Mm
0: It kind of sounds like he can't get away from it, from what <laughs> I've heard about him. And then that's 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 cool. great.
1: Well, there may even be a sequel to this movie.
0: Yeah. Oh, I would love to talk about that. Yeah. What do you What do you think about a sequel to this movie? Like,
1: I'm down for it. I would like to see it. Yeah. What, it would It would include a character that I like very much. Yeah. The, yeah.
0: Part of me wonders if this was even just like a whole setup to get yeah. to that next movie. Yeah. Because that character is so elevated. But also, I it felt like the kind of movie that wouldn't have a sequel, and so I was surprised with the kind of cliffhanger at the end. I
1: was too, yeah, because it is so such a you know it's a, a revenge story and the the story. It is, felt complete. Yeah, it's wrapped up. Yeah, so yeah, the new the the sequel would be a completely different thing. But uh, the and uni- in a sense, yeah, yeah.
0: But the universe is you know rife to be explored. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, hope they do.
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us again on this episode we talk about uh the harder they fall again you can check it out on netflix it's out now and uh if you have time please like share subscribe do all those things that you're supposed to do that all these other people say you're supposed to do because it really helps support us and and we appreciate it and other than that that's so long from me felicity
1: and me clarence
0: and the spirit of woody strode
1: adios